Welcome. My name is Carl Schostrom, and in this episode of Getting Executive Conversation, we're going to be looking at long-term incentive plans that are delivered in cash. So, as opposed to those that we've previously been looking at delivered in shares or share derivatives like stock options, we're now looking at cash. And like with the other episodes, it'll just be a very high-level overview, followed by some pointers as to things you may want to consider when you're evaluating or designing or just trying to understand how a long-term incentive plan delivered in cash works. So cash plans, when we think about them, usually we're thinking about short-term incentives, so incentives that span 12 months or less. But when we're looking at long-term incentives, this becomes quite a different ball game. We have different types of long-term incentive plans in cash, and they serve different purposes, but they do have a lot in common as well. So the first type that you tend to come across are cash versions of equity-based plans. So the, the, the most common ones would be so-called stock appreciation rights or restricted stock units. So stock appreciation rights are essentially copies of a company's stock option plan, but delivered in cash. So for all intents and purposes, it's exactly the same value that comes out, and the company may even hedge it using shares. And similarly, with restricted stock units, you deliver shares, but you only deliver the cash value of those shares, plus minus any growth or fall in the value of the, sh- the share price. These plans are quite common for American companies or, or companies that have staff in, in the US, uh, since there are different restrictions on how many shares you can use cross borders and so on. And they're not particularly controversial one way or another, the biggest issue with them is that they, there's a certain cash drain as opposed to being able to use new issue shares. Then you have versions of equity which are trying to pretend to be equity. So there isn't an actual quoted share, but we want the participants to think or feel like they have been given shares in the company. And sometimes there's a gray zone where they actually are shares, but they are calculated on a basis that uh, are exclusively for the incentive. And they follow these rules that are set for the share valuation rather than mirroring something that's happening in the market. We often refer to these as phantom plans. So phantom option plans and phantom share plans, where... The phantom option plan is, of course, the, the, the growth and the value of the imagined share and the, the phantom share plans. We deliver the, the full value of that share may be subject to further performance conditions, sort of a, a cash version of a performance share plan. The other type of long-term cash plans we'll come across commonly are essentially long-term bonus plans. So they are just like your annual bonus they pay for certain performance on a scale or binary targets, and they deliver the value not within the 12-month period or for the 12-month period, but over a longer period of time, like three years. 
And of course, as we've spoken about before, you can also have cash versions of deferred annual bonuses, uh, which uh, which effectively are just a delay of part of the annual bonus being paid. So the the, the key things when we when we're designing cash plans is to first of all be very clear on that if it's cash, it's paid for by the owners. And this is really, really important. When we're using shares in the market, the value improvement is paid for by the market. We can we can always just buy the shares that we're making awards over at the beginning. And if the value goes up, it's entirely paid for by the market because we hand over the shares to the participants and the participants sells those shares and the difference uh, is entirely paid for uh, by by the markets. Not, of course, the underlying share, but the increases. So if we have big windfall gains, that's no issue. It's only pleasant for the participants. But if that happens under a cash plan, the owners have to find the money. So what's very important is how the variables work. So how is the formula put together that is determining the value of the incentive? And when this is a basically long-term bonus plan, then that is relatively straightforward. We work on the same basis as with a short-term incentive, but when it's trying to create a phantom share plan, then we have much more complexity. And there's often a risk that we start using very opaque variables. And different people can have an impact on the different variables. So the first one to look out for is what is it that determines the price earnings ratio? I've seen so many bad plans around this it's quite horrifying and is one of the areas where you see the most incentive disasters so a classic version of this is an absolutely one of the worst types of incentives that you can put in in my personal opinion is if you take the a basket of competitors who are quoted and create a PE ratio from their average PE ratios. What is sensible about that is that it provides an approximation of how the markets look at your sector. So if you are in a sector where there's a PE ratio range between 9 and 11 and you come out at 10, you are probably somewhere in the right ballpark, given that you are performing within that ballpark. And this is the big issue here. First of all, those that impact this PE ratio, which for many plans will have more effect than a change in profitability. If you improve your profitability by a couple of percent, or if you improve your PE ratio from 10 to 15 there's a big difference. You want to be with a PE ratio. And if you're using your competitors as the determinant of that, if your competitors are pulling away from you, then you are effectively rewarding your management for the excellent success of your competitors. If your 
management is pulling away from the competitors and their PE ratios fall, then you are penalizing your management for the failures of your competitors. The other one is to be very clear on who has discretionary rights around different variables, the interpretation of, say, profitability. And I've seen plans here again where you've had a an equity-based plan that has been directly translated into a phantom version, and the board has the ability to, to alter key variables at its discretion without it being particularly visible to participants. And where some variables can swing the values tremendously, in particular if it's a if it's an equity plan that is more complex, like a private equity linked one, then this can be very, very significant for the design of the incentive. So the cash plan lives and dies with the formula. It's all about the formula. If you can gain the formula, then the formula is at risk. And I've seen that happen where unexpected transactions have created a spike in the valuation, resulted in court cases. And if you have formulas that are not able to adjust for things like acquisitions, mergers, you may actually get a management team that works against the interests of the shareholders because it doesn't translate into their own incentive plans. The other thing is to ensure that there is alignment with owners. So do the owners believe in the valuations that come out of your formula? So often one wants to so badly make the phantom incentive or phantom share plan look like shares and therefore assume that the valuation by the market is also what the owners value well usually the owners don't have the company in the markets because they value different things many private investors for example they value dividend streams much, much more highly than they valued the market valuation from one day to another. I've seen companies that haven't bought or sold their company for over 100 years. Why would they be that interested in how the markets value the company if they're not looking to sell? However, they do value that the management grows the company and makes it more valuable, makes it deliver better dividends, for example which is a very, very different thing. Similarly, with private equity owners, they want to achieve value through an exit. That's how their funds work. That doesn't mean that they are looking for valuations only from the markets, but they may be looking for valuations from trade buyers. So different things play in, and we need to just be very careful that we align the valuation we pay for with a valuation that's appreciated by owners. And finally, just consider whether the exposure of the cash plan is capped. If you cap an equity-based plan, that can be very controversial because you're essentially saying that above a certain value, maybe investors should benefit, but not participants. Uh, with cash plans, that becomes more of a sharp thing in that we do have this formula aspect which means that we may need to cap the exposure of 
the shareholders so that we don't get a misevaluation or, or the formula kicking out the wrong thing by mistake. I hope this has been helpful and interesting, and I hope you'll join me in other episodes on getting executive conversation. My name is Carl Schostrom, and thank you for listening.